Hello and welcome to Take It or Leave It. It's a Christian podcast to encourage us all to implement real change in our lives based on the teachings of Jesus so that when the rapture occurs, we may all be caught up to meet Jesus Christ in the air. It's about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. I'm your host, Madison Santiago. Hello and welcome back to Take It or Leave It. We are going to jump right back into Ezekiel. This is part seven of the priesthood series. And today we're going to be talking about the removal of God's glory. So this study actually is not directly related to priesthood, but it is associated with our study. So it's important that we learn these things and we are learning the following. We're learning about the quality of service and we're also learning about how strict God is. Yes, God loves us, but he does have rules and he does have standards and he is a strict God. Back in Ezekiel chapter 9, starting in verse 3, it says, Now the glory of God of Israel has gone up from the cherub where it had been to the threshold of the temple. So I just want to say, if you're a spiritual man or woman, imagine yourself as the one in the word in which you're reading. Okay, these are spiritual things. So this is how spiritual people receive the word of God. A carnal mind, meaning like a flesh mind, cannot receive. Okay, but a spiritual person can. Sure, carnal people can be forgiven, right? And they must be forgiven. And then they must live a holy life with a holy temple. Then it's a spiritual life. Okay, when you're living for Jesus, you keep your body holy, your life Your entire life is worship to God constantly, day and night, about the business of what he says, about his kingdom business. That is a spiritual life. Continuing on in verse 3, it says, And he called to the man clothed with linen who had the writer's inkhorn at his side. You should all remember reading this. We had six men with a deadly weapon, and we have the seventh man with a writer's inkhorn at his side, okay? So God called these six men to carry a battle axe to do what? To kill people. That's why he tells us it's a deadly weapon. This is what the purpose was and why God called it a deadly weapon, okay? We have to really pay attention to what we're reading and why God is using these adjectives to describe the things that he is mentioning, okay? These six men were there to kill. And Ezekiel saw this. Imagine yourself seeing this. There was also a man who held an inkhorn. We know this. God said in verse four, and the Lord said to him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and cry over all the abominations that are done within it. So when it says within it, what does that mean? What is that? Jerusalem. God is ordering these men to go through this city. Okay? The one with the inkhorn is going to put a mark on the, on the men who sigh and cry over the abominations done within Jerusalem. Okay, remember talking about sighing and crying? Spiritual people are sighing and crying. That's why they're being marked, okay? We recently learned why you and I are spiritual Jews. Spiritual Jews are crying and sighing over the abominations occurring in this world. You can see them. If you serve Jesus according to his standard, you have been engrafted into the olive tree with the natural Jews who believe in Jesus. Spiritual Jews drink the holy spiritual wine, which is what? the Holy Spirit. Literally, there is a mark, and I want to stress that. Mark in Hebrew is tau, 
okay, which is like the letter T. The letter T in Hebrew is the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The cross is actually a capital T rather than a lowercase t as many depict it today. You can study this on your own and confirm it for yourself, but it's a capital T. That's, you can actually make it with your fingers. That's what it looks like. Additionally, when destruction must come, the glory of God must depart. That's what we learn here. When the glory departs in verse 3, trouble is coming. What is the trouble? Destruction. But first, God will mark those who are grieving what the people have done. The abominations. God secures his people from ruin. All right? We have a good God. God will take all his possessions with him, meaning those who truly serve him. If you serve God, you are his possession. He cares for you. He will mark your forehead. It's people. Is that you? Today, there's no sense of urgency. Many fail to take God seriously, but they believe in the rapture. And though they believe in the rapture, they don't live like they believe in the rapture. For if they lived like they believe in the rapture, they would live with urgency and constant preparation for this event. There's a difference between having the Holy Spirit with you versus in you. If he is not in you, you are not going with God. If the Holy Spirit is in you, you are a possession of God and you are possessed by the Holy Spirit. For how long? Forever. If the Holy Spirit is indwelling in you, forever. Okay? You give all your life to God. You understand in the spirit while others cannot see. Like Nicodemus. Nicodemus was very respected. And Nicodemus was face to face with Jesus and called him teacher. He said, teacher, what shall I do? Do you remember this? Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Jesus cut that conversation down so short because Nicodemus could not receive in the spirit. So unless we become spiritual, how can we understand the things of God? So God gives the first charge as to the safety of his people before the punishment for the entire city arrives. God is consistent. Do you believe that? I do. Even in Genesis 19, when discussing uh, Sodom and Lot, angels came to Lot and two men came to sleep with the men in Lot's house. They saw the angels go in. Two men came to sleep with them. You see, homosexuality was back then too. It's not new. And it's the same for women. Verse 15, and I'm reading in Genesis 19, verse 15. When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. So Lot was told to remove himself and his family from the city before the punishment comes. And we can actually jump to verse 17. So it came to pass when they had brought them outside that he said, escape for your life. Do not look behind you nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. Then Lot said to them, please know my lords. Indeed, now your servant has found favor in your sight and you have increased your mercy, which you have shown me by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountains, lest some evil overtake me and I die. See now, this city is near enough to flee to and it is a little one. Please let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said to them, See, I have favored you concerning this thing also, in that I will not overthrow this city for which you have spoken. Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. You see, the angel said that they cannot do a thing until Lot arrives to the other location. You see how good God is? 
That was a directive from God. You cannot bring the destruction until Lot is removed. Wow. The rapture is the signal that wrath will be released on earth. Why? Because the Holy Spirit must leave. Meaning those also filled with the Holy Spirit, they're going to be removed before the wrath comes to earth. The marking comes before destruction. Can you connect these things? Can you see how consistent God is? Ezekiel 9 confirms those who sigh and cry get marked before destruction comes. Again, is that you? Back in Ezekiel 9, verse 5. To the others he said in my hearing, Go after him through the city and kill. Do not let your eye spare, nor have any pity. Okay, so we know of the six with deadly weapons, and here we learn that the loving God ordered people to be killed. Yes, you read it right. You read it right. Confirm it for yourselves. Many want to say God would never do that, but here he is doing exactly that. His ways are higher than our ways. Remember that. Imagine the man with the inkhorn marking those who sigh and cry. He passes by them and he marks them, but those he does not mark, killed. Can you see it? I can see it. It's almost in slow motion. Imagine it. Do you have the mark? And just to be clear, you don't get the mark from church attendance. You get the mark by living a life for God, knowing what it is that he says and executing it in your life. There's no mercy, no pity for those without the mark. That's what God is showing us here. Verse 6, utterly slay old and young men, maidens and little children and women. But do not come near anyone on whom is the mark and begin at my sanctuary. So they begin with the elders who were before the temple. Verse 6 mentions the word utterly, meaning make sure they're dead, no pity. This is a really hard job. Can you imagine killing old, young, even children, women? These men would not come near the possessions of God because that was ordered from God. It all began at his sanctuary with the elders. But why must the killing begin at the sanctuary? We're going to learn even more about this as we progress through this teaching, but I want you to understand what the sanctuary is. It signifies the temple of God, number one. Number two, it's the tabernacle of God. Number three, this is God's holy place. The sanctuary is the holy place. And number four, God's holy habitation in heaven is called the sanctuary. So the sanctuary is a specific place inside the temple of God. We will learn more of the specifics of the sanctuary, but why must the pastor, right, the elders, be destroyed first? Well, this, of course, it is a pastor, right, who doesn't have the mark. So let's put that out there. These are pastors who don't have the mark, weren't really living a life for God. Killings happen by level of unfaithfulness. So pastors stand in that holy place, right? They die first if unfaithful. This doesn't mean that their congregation is also excused. They may also die, but the pastor will die first. God's heaviest wrath comes upon those who are the most privileged with the word of God that they are hearing. Is the pastor not hearing and teaching and supposed to be in the word of God, consistent with everything, acceptable first-class service according to his standards. If you study an in-depth word, you are more accountable than someone who does not. The heaviest wrath is set upon the head of the one who heard the instruction of the Lord and failed to obey and submit to the Lord. This is why God's word is so holy and powerful. 
you are accountable and I am accountable. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17, it says, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Do you obey the gospel of God? Not just attending church, but the entire gospel. Have you risked your life for his sake? Have you truly repented? If you are living a life today that says, I do enough for God, he understands. I know him enough. I'm a good person. You need to circle back. You need to consider your ways. Circle back into the word of God and truly ask yourself, are you obeying? Are you about his kingdom business? Are you spreading the gospel and making disciples? Because you are not called to sit in a church pew for your entire life. Ministry is outside the church. Okay, of course we assemble in the church. God commands that. He wants us to do that. It's where we learn, right? Ministry is outside of church. What are you doing? And this, of course, is shared with the love of the Lord. There is an urgency. There is a need for preparation because you must have the mark. Because when that Holy Spirit presence leaves the earth... His people, his possessions who are indwelled, not just with the Holy Spirit, indwelled with the Holy Spirit are also going. What will you do? This is Take It or Leave It. God bless you all.